Good afternoon. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Your call-in numbers this afternoon, as always, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. Uh, we got a good show uh, coming up. In a moment, going to be joined by former Congressman Earl Pomeroy. We're going to be talking with him. He had a letter to the editor of the forum recently urging people to uh, sign up, enroll in the latest enrollment period um, for Obamacare. And, you know, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk a little bit about that uh, coming up here in just a moment. Also, uh, there's an issue, a, a group called Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and they've been at this for years. Uh, they're running bus ads in Fargo. Uh, it, it shows a bloody scalpel, and the message is, you are an NDSU's substandard training zone, and, and they're upset about the use of live pigs uh, in a, a program run by NDSU, uh, I, I believe in conjunction with Sanford. Uh, it, it, it's a advanced trauma life support training program, and they use real pigs for that. Uh, and this, this organization, the um, – let's see, what are they? Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, they want the school to stop, and we're going to talk about that. Um, plus some other stuff, too. 701-293-9000, Email talk at wday.com. Let's get to our guest now, former Congressman Earl Pomeroy. Earl, how's it going? Rob, hello. It's going well. Happy to be with you. Um, tell us, why, why is it so important for people to, to uh, sign up for health care coverage right now? I mean, obviously, well, most, we know it's important for people to have insurance. But Yeah, I, I appreciated the forum running that uh, letter to the editor I wrote. I'm trying to get the word out before the open enrollment period closes. That's December 15th. So it's kind of a shrinking window. But if you don't get coverage at work, and most do, but still a number don't, uh, you can obtain coverage through the marketplace uh, and and, 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 you know, no matter what, you can get it. If you've got a, a health condition that in other times would keep you from getting coverage, it's an open enrollment period. No medical underwriting. Insurance companies can't keep you from getting the coverage you need. Now, a lot of people, when I was insurance commissioner, Rob, uh, the, the, issue, the bigger issue was affordability. So within the marketplace, based on, depending on your income, there's assistance with buying the premium. And, uh, you know, we're... Premiums can be remarkably affordable, to, particularly to those on, on really tight budgets. I, I would Let me just say there's a gap in all of this. For people who don't get coverage at work and whose incomes are sufficient so that they don't qualify for the subsidy, it's still very, very expensive. Congress has more work to do on that one. But that doesn't obscure the fact that for literally thousands and thousands of North Dakotans, between now and October, uh, December 15th, this is the time to get that coverage, healthcare.gov, uh, and, and that'll be the website. To, you can do it on your cell, on your smartphone if you want. It, it, it'll get you the, the coverage options and take care, of, uh, take care of signing up. Pretty easy affair. Why, why push this? I, and obviously, outside of the, the obvious you know, fact that having health insurance is, is generally a pretty good thing, why all of a sudden? Because Senator Heitkamp is pushing this as well, and she's put she's created a special section on her website. I, I mean, is is there something going on? I, I guess politically or, or with reform. I mean, obviously the enrollment period is is shorter this year. Is that why? Or are you afraid with all the no, turmoil that, that, surrounding that is this? Why. I, I really tried to take politics completely out of this 
and and just get the public. You know, I'm thinking about this like a public service announcement. Uh, in last year, uh, the enroll, enrollment period went longer, went about twice as long to the end of January, and there was some. Uh, some funding uh, that really got all, all but eliminated uh, that was available. That was, you know, you'd see these ads on TV, go to healthcare.gov, get your coverage. With that pretty well missing this year, a short enrollment period, no ads. You know, people got to pipe up to get the word out. I just am thinking about folks that, you know, in the middle of uh, everything else going on may not be aware that this open enrollment period closes on December 15th. So if you're going to get coverage through the marketplace, you got to scamper after it and get it done. I think there's a lot of people that are – because obviously, I mean, this, this has been constant political turmoil around this issue <laughs> sure for has. years. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are confused by it sometimes because there's all sorts of talk. This is going to change. That might change. You know, bills get proposed, bills fizzle out. I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding just just what the status quo is. So I, I I think from that point of view, it makes a lot of sense. Telling people to turn to the marketplace, though, I mean, does it even make any sense to call it a marketplace? Because in a lot of places in North Dakota, you go to that exchange to get subsidies. There is one choice. There, there's one option. That doesn't seem like much of a, a marketplace. One company yeah, offering. We'd, we'd, we'd hope for better. That's for sure. Uh, and when I was insurance commissioner, Rob, 85 to 92, the individual market that was available only on a medically underwritten basis was essentially provided by Blue Cross Blue Shield. All those years, I was hoping for more companies. I figured they'd compete and drive price down. Couldn't get them in. So it's not a new thing at all for North Dakotans to have a single option. But the important thing to remember is, yeah, we have an option. Blue Cross Blue Shield been around a long time, done a good job in North Dakota. And if you income qualify, you're going to get your, your, your coverage subsidized. I, I tell you what, you, you are good enough to have me on your show to make this public service announcement. And I'll be happy to come back on to, do, to you know, talk about the politics or the debate about health reform, what we ought to pass next, what we ought to repeal next. All that all that nonsense is going to continue, but for this one's really about families. If you don't have coverage and you want to get it, and I would strongly recommend every family have health care coverage, uh, between now and the 15th of December, uh, healthcare.gov, if you don't get this coverage at work, healthcare.gov, you can get coverage. It will be subsidized if you're on a tight budget, and uh, I really recommend that 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 action be taken. You're going to have a happier Christmas if you've got some health care coverage in place for those without coverage now. And there's still there's still the individual mandate in place as well. That's something for people to consider that if you don't have coverage, there is still a mandate and there is a penalty for not having it. There is. Yep. There is a tax penalty for not having coverage uh, that may or may not be there by the time Congress gets done with the tax bill. We're watching that one. Uh, so I'm not trying to sell this on the stick. I'm trying to sell it on the carrot. <laughs> it's good to have coverage. Good to know you can get to see the doctor when you need it. Uh, a fellow that I was, was a dear friend that I referenced him in my letter to the editor. Uh, he, you know, he, he was between places of employment, didn't have coverage dealing with increasing digestive discomfort, but just got a job, got coverage. Ah, finally he could go in. He went in, and I, I'm very sorry to say that he had, at that point, uh, stage 4 esophageal cancer, and it killed him. Uh, you know, it's important people get the care they need and get it at early signs, particularly when some of you have these some serious health issues. So I think having coverage for Many is literally life or death, Rob. I just think it's that important.
And that's why I'm you know, waving a banner. I want people to sign up. Again, I, I don't see this at this point as a Republican or Democrat deal. Let's, for those that don't have coverage, take advantage of the laws on the books. The laws on the books let you sign up for subsidized coverage right now. There'll be more talk about what those laws ought to be and let that debate unfold. But right now, if you don't have coverage, I sure hope people take advantage of the laws on the books. Healthcare.gov, get the subsidized coverage they need. Oh, I, I agree with you that far. I, I feel like obviously people need to take care of their health and insurance is a good way to access health care. So that's all well and good. It's it's I got to tell you it's it is really hard to extract the politics from the situation though. It's I think there's a lot of people that look across the landscape, they look at the choices that are available to them, a lot of them aren't very good. Um even even getting insurance coverage, I got to tell you, is no guarantee that it's going to be all that cheap to go to the doctor. And I'm not saying that to discourage people from signing up at all. I'm just saying the options out there sometimes aren't real good. Um, I know. I, I, and I think a lot of people listen to the debate and they think, well, well just forget it. I'm just not going to have it. Uh, well, you know, that's the ultimate act of personal irresponsibility, in my opinion. I, I think personal responsibility, I know that's a big, a big issue in your own philosophy, uh, consistently expressed. People have to, they have to be responsible for themselves. Well, being responsible means you have coverage, because otherwise you don't have coverage. You go in, you can't pay the bill. The rest of everyone else has to pick up your your share. That's not responsible. You know, being I I think this kind of gets to the core of family responsibility within the family. We're going to have coverage so we get get the health care that we need when we need it. Uh, And we we never know when that might be. You know, you, you get a car accident or broke broken leg this afternoon you know so getting coverage in place is really important well i agree with you that much and we'll have to get you on another time and we could talk maybe a little bit about the the debate over reform and everything else so we'll we'll do that another time but for and now i'll be happy to do that rob it's yeah. good to have me on today and i appreciate it have a happy holiday season and uh you know you, december 15th got open windows closing thank you and i'll be i'll come back and we'll have the debate on uh, on how this ought to be you know <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more work is needed. Uh, well, I've got some ideas of what we need to do next. Thanks a lot. All right. We're well, looking Bye-bye. forward to that. Thank you. That's Earl Pomeroy. Rob Port here on 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Rob Report, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDY.com. I, I understand the point that Congressman's making about, you know, getting health insurance. It, it It is really confusing. The law, agree with the law or disagree with it as it stands now. It is the law. Taking care of yourself is important. Uh, it's It's part of personal responsibility, right? I mean, you don't. If you don't carry insurance and you get sick and you end up going to the hospital and you can't pay your bills, that burden falls on other people. So it behooves you to take care of yourself. I'm just not sure the status quo makes it really all that easy to take care of yourself. Uh, emailer asks, ask your guest about not wanting health care for religious grounds. I, I don't know how to answer that, I guess. If you don't want to access health care because of your religious beliefs, then, you know, Good luck to you. I, I hope that doesn't create a situation where the rest of us have to pay for it. 
Uh, let's see. Dan emails. What happened to the better and cheaper insurance Trump promised? I don't know. I don't know. Fair question. I mean, Republicans haven't exactly. I don't think that you can point out to, to the Republican inability to put in place a replacement to Obamacare as a defense of the status quo. The status quo is not working. I mean, there are vast swaths of North Dakota where there is on on this what was supposed to be a competitive exchange, right, a, a competitive marketplace run by the government. There's one option. That's not competitive. And a lot of the options you buy are expensive, right, high deductibles, high premiums. That's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, you know, so that's, I don't know, that, that's a real tough thing. Also, I mean, if we want to talk about presidential promises about health care, where are the lower premiums President Obama promised? Where's where's the increase in competition that he promised? Because here in North Dakota, we had something like, I, I was talking with uh, Insurance Commissioner John Gottfried earlier, uh, earlier, what was it, last month? I think it was last month, maybe earlier this month. We had him on. He was talking about there being something like 13 insurance companies offering individual insurance plans of one, you know, of one sort or another in North Dakota prior to Obamacare. Now there's three. And in a lot of, you know, probably geographically, most of the state, there's one. That's not such a good thing. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about, you know, Trump not following through on his promises, well, then let's talk about how Obamacare hasn't followed through on its promises, right? Because it was supposed to be the Affordable Care Act. Do you feel like health care is more affordable today than it was in 2009 when this law passed? I don't think so. Do you feel like there's more choices that health care is easier to get in 2017, almost 2018, than it was in 2009? I don't think so. Those were the, those were the core promises. And unfortunately, what gets ignored are those core promises today. Instead, we drill down and we start talking about some of this other stuff about, well, kids can be covered until they're 26 and there's no pre-existing conditions and all that stuff. And, and yeah, okay, people generally like those things. We can quibble about them. We can have a debate about them. But fine. But the core promises of Obamacare was cheaper insurance, more access to insurance. I don't think those things have been fulfilled. And I don't care how much Democrats want to spin this, how much liberals want to spin this and talk about other things, the core promises of Obamacare have failed. It is more complicated, it is more expensive than ever before to get health insurance. That's not right. It's bad policy. It's bad public policy. We were better off before. I mean, we talk about all these millions and millions of people who had access to insurance before or, or, or suddenly have access to insurance under Obamacare uh, certainly the, the ranks of the insured have gone up, but how many of those people had access to insurance before? How many of them are simply signing up for insurance because there's now a penalty in place? I mean, that was the that was the dirty secret about a lot of the talking points prior to Obamacare is that a lot of those people had insurance available to them, either through an employer or through some government program, or certainly they were making uh, revenue, they had income at a level where they could abide their own policy if they wanted to. They had insurance available to them. They just didn't avail themselves of it to one to, for one reason or another. And I'm not sure it's such a great thing that we have now in place an individual mandate that punishes people for not buying insurance. So I don't know. I, I mean, certainly the dynamics of this debate have shifted. Republicans are in the driver's seat. And the fact that their inability to reform this, 
their inability to, to, to get together and push through a reform for Obamacare uh, is certainly is certainly obscuring, I think, the fact that, that the status quo is not that good. As did, you know, that was a dynamic dynamic that was present certainly when Obamacare was initially debated all the way back in 2008, 2009, 2010. Throughout that debate, people were cast as defending the status quo in health insurance, which even prior to Obamacare wasn't all that great. It was suggested that if you opposed Obamacare, then you defended the status quo, and that's not true either. Uh, really, I, I think what we need in all of this is for the government to do less. That's what we need. I, I don't think that the government is helping. I mean, at the end of the day, the insurance industry wants people to pay their premiums. You know, that's it. The insurance industry wants more customers. And to that end, they're going to curtail, they're, they're going to they're customize their products so that people will buy them. And people will buy their products when they feel like they're beneficial to them. And really, all we need is for the government to get out of the way of that process. The more individuals are empowered to make their own choices with insurance, to make their own choices with health care, the better off we are. And to the extent that we had a problem with America's health care system and health insurance industry prior to Obamacare and during Obamacare, it's a simple fact that most of us aren't the customers for our insurance policies. Most of us get health insurance through an employer. And that has an inflationary effect on health care costs. It has an inflationary impact on health insurance costs. It's not a good thing. The reform we ought to be looking at is tying individuals closely to managing their own insurance plans and managing their own health care. Because by having moved this off to third parties, whether it's employers, whether it's the government, that's the problem. That is the fundamental problem, and that is the thing no proposal, whether it's come from Democrats or Republicans, has really addressed ever. I guess because it's tough. I mean, it's intimidating to tell people you got to be in charge of health insurance. Given how high costs have soared, given how complicated it's all become, it's difficult to tell people they got to be back in that driver's seat. But I'm telling you, if you want it simpler, if you want it cheaper, that's where Americans got to be is back in the driver's seat for their insurance and health care. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. You know, we've been talking a lot about Al Franken uh, lately, um, for obvious reasons, unless you've been living under a rock. You know, he's been accused by multiple women of inappropriate behavior, ranging from forcing a kiss on broadcaster model Leanne Tweeden during a USO tour back in 2006 to uh, three women claiming that he groped them during uh, photo shoots with them, I guess taking selfies or taking pictures or whatever, uh, one at the Minnesota State Fair and on, on other instances. Um, the uh, I, and the reason I come back to this is the uh, Star Tribune, uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, uh, Minnesota's largest newspaper, not having it when it comes to Senator Franken's you know apologies and everything. And this was a point that I made yesterday 
the Senator Frank is really, I mean, his, his fellow Democrats are sort of out there, including Senator Heidi Heitkamp, are sort of out there saying, well, uh, you know, he's, he's facing the music. He's called for an, eth- you know, ethics investigation. Like, like he's being accountable and he's really not. He's really not. He's, he's mostly denying everything. Now he's couching everything in apologetic terms, but mostly he's denying everything, which is what the editorial board of the Star Tribune hardly a bastion of right-wing sympathies, points out. They write in an editorial published in their paper today, it was online last night, U.S. Senator Al Franken broke his self-imposed silence over the weekend, submitting to a series of media interviews on the sexual misconduct allegations against him, professing his shame and embarrassment. That was a necessary move. Minnesotans in the country at large deserve to hear from him, but his apology falls lamentably short in several respects. The Minnesota Democrats said in one interview it was important, quote, that we listen to women, but then refuted the story of Leanne Tweeden, the USO entertainer, who accused him of shoving his tongue down her throat during a rehearsed, quote, kiss. He recalls, quote, a normal rehearsal, but didn't elaborate on the subsequent allegations of women who say he groped them during photo shoots, specifically that he grabbed their buttocks. Franken apologized, but for what exactly? He said he does not recall groping and said he would, quote, never intentionally squeeze or grope a woman, but often hugs people. Is he suggesting these women could not distinguish between a friendly embrace and groping or that at his age he somehow groped unintentionally? Can one credibly apologize for acts without acknowledging they occurred? That is the crux of it. That is the crux of what's going on with Senator Franken. How does he apologize? How does he take responsibility for things he's done that he's not even acknowledging occurred? How does he get there? The editorial continues, with a Senate ethics investigation looming, Franken remains on politically shaky ground. It's debatable whether he is, as he said, quote, holding myself accountable without saying he didn't do it. He nevertheless has countered every allegation except the one that carries indisputable proof, the infamous photo of him appearing to grab at Tweeden while she slept. Under such circumstances, Franken's apology is less a statement of accountability and more akin to, I'm sorry for what you think I did. Franken may just be trying to ride out the storm, as is the case too often these days. After all, President Donald Trump survived multiple sexual misconduct allegations to become president, and it's possible that Roy Moore will become Alabama's next senator despite credible allegations that he molested a 14-year-old and repeatedly approached underage teens. Moore's conduct is in a different league from what Franken is accused of, but none of it is acceptable. Franken has declared himself ready to go back to work, and, well, he should. While he was busy reflecting, his voice was absent from important issues. A damaging Senate tax bill. Uh, Let's see. At least in the short term, Franken's effectiveness will be hampered by persistent questions about the allegations, the ethics investigation, and the lingering possibility that other women may come forward, something Franken does not dismiss. Uh, this This is pretty remarkable. Uh, and again, I mean, this is a paper that walked right up to the edge of acting uh, Senator Franken to resign. Um, they uh, conclude the editorial. As he continues his reflection, we urge the senator to consider what is best for Minnesota and to weigh that more heavily than what might be best for his own political career. Damaging stuff. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Um Meanwhile, this is this is pretty remarkable. Uh, there is a 
and I'm I just lost it on my. Uh, th- there are there are reporters because uh, Representative Conyers is saying John Conyers, who is a, a longtime Democrat from Michigan, Cokie uh, Roberts, who is a a you know obviously very prominent reporter, saying that female reporters knew not to get on the elevator alone with John Conyers. Uh, this is from. These are some of her quotes. The fact that people are willing to be public can change things. I mean, we all talked about for years. Um, Roberts implied that Conyers' predatory behavior was an open secret among the press corps. Quote, don't get in the elevator with him, you know, and, and the whole every female in the press corps knew that, right? Don't get in the elevator with him. Now people are saying it out loud, and I think that does make a difference. And it's I, that's... I think that's one of the most remarkable things to me, Natil, as as all this has come out about one powerful man after another, whether it's Charlie Rose in the journalism field or people like Al Franken or, or John Conyers uh, in the political world or Harvey Weinstein in, in the entertainment world, is how many people around knew or had an inkling at least of what was going on and did nothing. Did nothing. I mean, here we have reporters, journalists, according to Cokie Roberts, Herself, uh, you know, a very prominent, very famous journalist. She's saying that journalists, female journalists, knew that this was a guy you didn't want to ride in the elevator alone with. And they, they said nothing. It's their job to report on misdeeds of people in power like John Conyers, and they did nothing. So what, how, how is it that, that we get to a point where... It's just nobody's saying anything. I, I and, and again, I, I think that gets to the point of where how, how stuff like this survives, how, how stuff like this builds to the point where it becomes an epidemic is nobody says anything. People just let it go. It, it's pretty remarkable stuff. I, I, I mean, journalists, journalists saying that they don't want to ride in the elevator with this guy. I mean, how much of a reputation do you have to have where women don't want to ride with you alone in an elevator? And nobody reports anything? This guy just gets a pass? This guy's been in Congress for something like 40 years. He just gets a pass? It's, I don't know. I, at this point, I, I don't even know what else can be said about it. I, I, I don't even know where else to go with it. You know, other than exactly what we talked about yesterday is it's time no holds barred. It's it, it's time to start holding people accountable across across the board. The problem is, is that in order to do that, Republicans and Democrats are both going to have to get together and do that. And, and I think now that this is cross-partisan lines, you know, it's everybody's going to be in on a cover-up. No, nobody wants to go with this because it's going to cost everybody too much. So everybody, trust me, I have a feeling this is all going to go back underground. Caller, Doug, you're up. Hi. Have you mentioned uh, the Judge Moore who uh, is not allowed and has been banned from a certain shopping mall? Oh, yeah. I've talked about Roy Moore at length. I think he is a cretin. I don't think he has any place in the Republican Party, let alone the United States Senate. 
Oh, I guess I'm sorry then. I wasn't listening close. I uh, I couldn't. I I didn't I didn't talk about more specifically today. Although I I will say there is. I was just reading before the show, uh, new polling out showing that he's coming back. He had he had dipped quite a bit in the polls. He's coming back some now, which I think is pretty disgusting. I I guess the stories about him are getting a little stale, and now Republicans, uh, voters in Alabama, are maybe thinking that they would still prefer prefer more to a Democrat, which. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, once you get past a certain, when you're talking about, you know, somebody credible stories about a man molesting a 14 year old and seeking out romantic relationships in his 30s with teenagers, underage teenagers, I, to me, that's not even a partisan question anymore. Yes, I would rather have a Democrat as a senator from Alabama than Roy Moore. I, and I hate saying that. Because the Democrats going to go in there and get in the way of passing a lot of the policies that I think would be good for this country. But I'd rather have that than somebody like Roy Moore. Well, the other thing needs to be mentioned. King Solomon, King Solomon in the Bible had a thousand wives. Uh, who cares? This and, is a biblical uh, time. Yeah, I know. You, I know you won't. You won't. But still, it's interesting. I mean, uh, uh, well, thousand wives. I, I bet you there's a few of them were teenage girls. Well, okay, yeah, that was biblical times. This is 2017 America. So, I I don't know. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. trying to figure out why king solomon having a thousand wives or whatever i, I it says in the bible i don't know is that true he had a thousand wives i don't know if it was a thousand i'm pretty sure it was more, more than, than one, one i guess how, how that's relevant to roy moore in 2017 is beyond me well roy moore does have a tendency to lean very heavily on biblical texts as far as a lot of his arguments are concerned and maybe uh, he's got some pretty strong feelings on marriage is he pro polygamy now well, I I don't know. Let's well, is that the argument against people who don't like gay marriage as well? If we let if we let the gays marry, then the next thing you know, it's going to be the polygamists. Well, and why is that a problem? Uh, well, <laughs> a fair question. I don't. I mean, if everybody's and listen, I mean, polygamy is usually you know associated with like compounds and you know arranged marriages and everything. And I'm not for any of that. But you know, adults. I think you if know, you're yeah, every, exactly. everybody if you're a consenting, consenting adult willing and adults and you're yeah. in love, whatever you you do, you my friend, you do you do you. I don't know. Multiple wives sound like multiple pains in the rear end to me, but well, whatever. But, you know that's <laughs> that's your opinion. Maybe your wife wouldn't feel that way about multiple husbands. Who can say? Who could say? Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know this this thing with the uh, the accusations. It, it never ends. The Democrats are getting theirs now. I have a feeling there's a lot more to come out in the world of politics, and there's going to be plenty of Republicans too. Um, it's just, I don't know. I I think that's absolutely what Franken's doing. This this Star Tribune editorial, I think, just nailed it. I, I think this guy's going into bunker mode. Right? He's not admitting to anything other than what he has to admit to, which is the photo. Uh, and now he's just going to wait it out. 
He's just going to bunker down. He's going to get real small. He's going to get real quiet. He hopes hopes that the story just blows over. And by the time he's up for re-election, it's a, it's a non-issue. Everybody's forgotten. I think that's what he's hoping. And and the thing is, it works. Politicians do that all the time. That's a sound strategy. That works. Whose fault is that? Ours, probably. Right? Republicans don't want to. Republicans are always afraid of a, of a Republican losing face and, and, and losing a seat. Democrats are always worried about a Democrat losing a seat. And so we put up with these people. We put up with them. I'm shocked that John Conyers, who, who, by the way, is something of a legendary figure. I mean, this guy, he's the founder of the Congressional Black Caucus, right? He has had a very, agree with his politics or not, he has had a very storied, a very storied career in public service. But is that reason to put up with, with, with just it being an open, open secret that females shouldn't ride in the elevator with him? Female journalists? And, and why aren't these journalists doing their jobs? I mean, this is Cokie Roberts, right? Very, very famous journalist. Why is it she reporting on that? Like the minute you hear the rumor about women being afraid to ride on an elevator with a member of Congress out of fear that he might grope them or do something inappropriate, that sounds like a great story to me. I, I think I think that's a that's an ancillary story to all of this is why are you not writing those stories? Why weren't those stories written? Why didn't you start talking to people, start asking questions? Pursue that story. Nobody wanted to talk. None of the women wanted to talk about being afraid of John Conyers on the elevator. Nobody nobody in Hollywood wanted to speak out against Harvey Weinstein. By, by the way, we know now some people tried. And they got drugged through the mud. And who is helping drag them through the mud? Journalists. I mean, we live in a pretty sanctimonious age of journalism, right? Because of Donald Trump's attacks on, on, on journalists, you know, a lot of which are just kind of bizarre and unfair. The journalists are now sort of cloaking themselves in the American flag. You know, we are the last defenders of, of decency and truth and honesty and everything. And yet what we're finding is that journalists helped Harvey Weinstein smear his accusers. Journalists looked the other ways when peop- women were afraid, uh, e- even some of whom were journalists themselves, were afraid to ride on the elevator with John Conyers. Where was your truth-telling then? Right? The Washington Post got a news uh, democracy dies in darkness. Okay, where was the light shined on John Conyers? Where were you? I think that's where this story's got to go next. Where were you? Why were you tolerating this? Why were you putting up with this? You knew it was an open secret. And people say, oh, well, you know, there weren't enough facts. We couldn't gather enough details. Did you try? Did you talk to people? Did you ask questions? Or you just sort of shrug your shoulders and walk by it? Also, I got to wonder, if there were rumors out there about a Republican member of Congress who women were afraid to ride with on the elevator, Right. If, if if the person that female reporters didn't want to ride off the on ride on the elevator for fear of getting groped wasn't a prominent Democrat and founder of the Congressional Black Caucus. I I feel like that story would have been written. I, I feel like that story would have been written. I think there's a double standard. I don't think Republicans get off the hook like Democrats do. That's just me, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. By the way, not that I want to let anybody off the hook. I don't want to let anybody off the hook. If, if you can't ride 
in in the elevator with a woman and behave yourself, you don't belong in Congress. If you can't take a picture of a woman without groping her, you don't belong in Congress. I'm not sure you belong in civilized society. If you, if you can't control yourself in that way, you should not be representing the people of Michigan or Minnesota or any other American citizen. You shouldn't be. That goes for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. I thought that Access Hollywood tape on its own was disqualifying. It's repugnant behavior. But I don't know. Things like that, I guess, don't matter anymore. And I'm not saying that. I'm not the morality police. I'm not some prude. I'm not some Bible thumper out to tell you how to live your life. I'm just saying there are certain standards of basic decency, and we ought to expect our elected leaders, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, Green Party, I don't care. We ought to expect them to live up to it. More to come straight ahead, Rob Report. Hour 2, coming up next, 701-293-9000. We've got to join the program, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Natil, what's out there in the headlines? Uh, Well, we're, of course, going to start off with a Trump headline because he is our president and he's always in the headlines. Trump refers to Pocahontas during ceremony to honor Navajo code talkers. Oh, Lordy. I saw this. And and listen, I I don't have a problem in the world with Donald Trump calling mocking Senator Warren for what she did pretending to be a Native American. It's been, what, five, six years since that happened, since that story broke. Um, She has never once come clean on any of the information, you know, supporting her claim that she has Native American heritage, right? What, What seems patently obvious to everyone is that she is an ambitious woman who claimed a Native American heritage she was not entitled to, for gain in the academic world. That is disgusting, and frankly, she deserves to be mocked for it. All that being said, the proper venue for mocking her is not an award ceremony for the Navajo code talkers. But for so many reasons. One, Pocahontas wasn't a Navajo native. She was not part of the Navajo tribe. Two, this had nothing to do with Senator Elizabeth Warren and everything to do with a very specific set of very important people to our country's success in wartime. Yeah, why, why are you cheapening? Why, why, why are you distracting from the honor being bestowed to those veterans who played uh, what, what has frankly become a legendary role? I mean, right? I mean, the, the story of the, the Code Talkers has, has entered into American legend. I mean, it's up there with, you know, Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I mean, they are a big part of our story. They are right to be honored. And for the president to distract from them in that moment is unseemly. Is, is It's disgusting. I, I it, it just blows my mind that, that he did that. Yeah, and, you know, say what you will about the media making a big deal about little things that Trump has done in the past. I mean, we talked about the, the koi fish feeding thing, which was absolutely a stupid thing for the media to focus on. This to me is a big deal. This was yeah. this was not an okay thing for Trump to do. This no, should wasn't. be talked about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's always a lot of this stuff where it's like so and so political figure didn't 
genuflect appropriately or committed some sub faux pas, right? And it's like, whatever, right? They're human beings. Everybody makes mistakes. Like, you know, President Obama bowing or, you know, he said 57 states one time. And, of course, the United States has 50 states. And everybody freaks out about it forever and ever. And it's it's just, yeah, the Koi Pond thing is another one. It's just dumb. But this is, there were some people on hand there who provided their nation with some very excellent service and deserve to be honored in the way that they were being honored. And instead of people talking about that, we're all talking about some dumb thing that Trump said. It was disrespectful. He shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have done it. And I and I say that I have no problem with him mocking Elizabeth Warren. She deserves to be mocked. What she did was was terrible. It's just that wasn't the proper venue for it. Definitely not. All right, what's next? All right, coming up next, mom faces jail time for recording daughter's bullies. Okay, I need to hear more about this. What's going on? Uh, A Virginia mother is now facing jail time after she put a voice recorder in her daughter's backpack in an attempt to catch her daughter's bullies in the act. Uh, She says that she reached out to school administration to try to get some sort of resolution for this situation that was really causing her, her child a lot of stress and was getting nowhere. So she put this recorder in her daughter's backpack in an effort to sort of get some sort of proof. Uh, But now she's being charged with intercepting wire, electronic or oral communications, which is a felony and contributing to the delinquency of a minor, which is another misdemeanor. I I suppose, I suppose the contributing delinquency is, is having the minor do the criminal act, right? Or be complicit in the criminal act. Uh, Yeah. A lot of States, North Dakota is what, when it comes to recording people, North Dakota is what's called a single-party consent state, which means basically it's legal for, unless it's changed. Maybe it's changed since then. But back when I used to work as a private investigator once upon a time, um, it was legal to record people. um, You you didn't have to. You didn't have to get their consent. I believe. I believe that's still the case. But at least as long as you were, yeah, as long as you were party to the conversation. They didn't have to know that you were recording it. Now, other places, and I think, where did this happen? Was this in Virginia? This, is, this was in Virginia, and Virginia right. is also a one-party consent state. Okay, so what? So how? how are, where? Where is the charge coming from? The fact that there there wasn't any consent given in this particular instance. That, so it's a two-party the, consent. It's a two-party consent state. No, no, it's, it it's to, a it's a one-party consent state. But the mother would have been the individual giving the consent for the recording and she wasn't party to any of those conversations because they were taking place at her daughter's school but her daughter was doing well well her daughter didn't know know that the her daughter didn't know that the device was in the backpack okay so that's where they're getting to the charge okay so i don't know it's this still seems like the school being very very petty it really does. Um, her attorney says that she she was shocked that the school would decide to go to the police department and ultimately charge the mother as opposed to sitting her down and having a simple conversation about what the concerns were and how the school could help alleviate these concerns instead of having her go to this sort of an extreme. But that's not what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, this seems obviously mom's concerned about bullying. I don't you know, I I, I don't know anything about the veracity of that, but. You know, she was obviously dissatisfied with what the school was doing. I, I think if I if I read that article correctly, she had attempted to bring these concerns to the school before. Yep, and they you know, didn't rather do than anything. pressing rather than pressing charges against her, you know, you would think call her in and say, "Listen, you know, let's let's figure something else 
let's figure something out here where we can address these concerns without resorting to, you know, surreptitious recording, which, you know, I, I, I don't I, I think school districts do this a lot, though. They overreact to things like this. They get very defensive. They take sort of this bunker mentality. And maybe maybe part of it is that a lot of parents, you know, behave this way or, or a lot of parents, you know, go on sort of crusades against the schools. But. I, I, a collaborative approach has got to be better. Well, All right, in this what's case, that? in oh, this sorry, case, who's the one who's actually suffering? It's that poor little girl right. who not only was getting bullied, but now everybody knows that her mom stuck a recorder in her backpack. Yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily endorsing what the mom did either. Well, no, but I, I'm, just, if, if the school's not listening to you, I'm pretty sure there's other next steps than getting, you know, a recording. Yeah. But anyway, what's next? Uh, Mercedes plans more drone deliveries after 100 perfect flights. Uh, we are going to regret this. Oh, I don't think so. I'm so excited. No. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. When there's 100 drones flying past your house every day, you tell me how great it is. Well, they can. They were conducting the biggest test using drones to ship everyday items like ground coffee and cell phones. Uh, and they completed 100 drop-offs to strategically placed vans in Zurich with perfect safety records and more deliveries planned for next year. So they're dropping them off with vans? And then the vans are like, what, driving the rest of the way? Is that what's happening? Uh, basically, yeah. So there's, I got to well, find What the hell's the point bit. of that? Well, because they it allows um, them to deliver from like coffee shops and things like that while getting by the worst parts of traffic. Oh, all right. Because you can you can bypass the worst parts of traffic by putting your ground coffee on this drone and then taking the drone to a vehicle that is past the worst part of traffic or to Boy, a customer that... who is past the worst part of traffic. That seems like a lot of complication to deliver coffee. Well, and I, I think it's basically a, 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 te- a proof of concept, if right. you will, because we don't really have drone delivery yet. But soon. But I mean, listen, soon. I'm not I'm not against drones overall. I th- obviously they're they've become an important industry to North Dakota, and I, I think there's a lot of practical uses. I think we're gonna regret the day though if if, if we just have drones flying and delivering things and, and can you imagine the paparazzi in the future too? With like automated drones just following celebrities around all the time. I, I don't know if that's maybe that's maybe that's better than having human beings doing it, but still. I mean, can you imagine? Living like that, and you got drones like floating outside your windows all day. Uh, it, I don't know. I think there's going to come a time where we're going to regret this because we're going to get the technology where those drones are going to be able to, they're going to be able to fly them anonymously, and we're going to regret it. I, I think that's a technological development we're going to come to. Says regret. the man with a robot vacuum cleaner. My robot vacuum cleaner is fantastic. Wait till your all robot right. vacuum cleaner's got like a camera inside of it, and well, I'll just buy one without a camera. I, I don't, I don't care about that. If I don't have to <laughs> vacuum my floors, I'm all right with it. All right, let's wrap up with uh, Denzel Washington says, "Don't blame the prison system; it starts at home." You know, this is interesting. He's got a new movie out that Roman J. Israel, I think that's what it's called. That looks really interesting. I haven't seen it yet. Um. Yeah, but he's he's, he's playing a, a defense attorney whose beliefs are tested when he joins up with this this new law firm, and it's 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 about like race relations and right. It's it looks really good. It does look good, um, and and Denzel Washington I think is interesting because he's the sort of guy he's a sort of celebrity. He doesn't talk about politics very often. Like he doesn't talk. He does some advocacy. I think he does a lot of stuff with like the boys and girls clubs, um, because he he was involved in that when he was young, but. 
doesn't really talk a lot about politics. And I thought his comments about family were very interesting. What, what is it? Do we have the exact quote of what he said? He says, um, he said, it starts at home. And then when asked to expand on that, he said, it starts with how you raise your children. If a young man doesn't have a father figure, he'll go find a father figure. So, you know, yeah. I can't blame the system. It's unfortunate that we make such easy work for them. I think, you know, it doesn't have to be an either or, right? It doesn't have to be it starts at home or it's just the system. It can be both. And I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying there, though, it's so simple and it gets overlooked, though. We are so quick to blame schools. We are so quick to blame the quote unquote system that we forget about the personal responsibility to raise our children and, and raise them well. Uh, and, and not perfectly. None of us are perfect parents. None of us are ever going to be perfect parents. But I, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot in our society. You know, we're, we're so quick to blame. You know, we're, we're, we're ranting all the time about educational standards and schools and school funding and teachers and cops and, and courts and everything else that we forget what is your responsibility as a parent to make sure your kid gets a good education? What is your responsibility as a parent to make sure your kid doesn't get in trouble? I think you have a lot of responsibility as a parent. Probably the most responsibility. Well, definitely the most responsibility. I think that's something we could talk about more. All right, Natil, let's wrap it up. You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is the Rob Report. And that's The Rundown. I want to plow through some of these emails and I they're all in response to uh, what we were talking about earlier in the program about the, um, the sexual harassment issue. John Conyers in trouble, Al Franken in trouble. I mean, it's just been one one after another. Aaron, I, I, I had asked the question during a, sort of a monologue, you know, why? Why were so many people willing to just sort of enable this? Right. They were aware of the rumors. They were aware of the talk and they just did really nothing about it. Uh, Aaron emails a link to a CNN article about Courtney Love speaking up about Harvey Weinstein. He says, and everyone thought she was nuts. Yeah, I mean, that was the problem is anybody who tried. You know, we, we talk about wanting victims to come out, and I, I think that is the solution is being brave to come out. And, and unfortunately, yet you may have to weather and put yourself at risk. And that's unfair because you're the victim. But I think that's the way this gets better is victims got to speak out, but it was harrowing, you know, especially when you're speaking out against somebody. I mean, Harvey Weinstein had reporters who were basically working on his behalf to smear his accusers. That's the sort of thing you could face, and I'm sure it was the same in the political world. If you spoke out, then you got a reputation of being, quote, unquote, difficult. Maybe you have a tough time finding work again in the political world. Those situations are what enables this epidemic. I mean, that that's what enables people like Al Franken or people like John Conyers to continue doing what they're doing is that their behavior doesn't get called out. And instead, the people for which there are consequences are the people who are victimized. Jay emails, uh, that last rant you just had was some of the best radio I've heard in years. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Jay. He emailed that at 1 o'clock, so I guess he was talking about the end of the last hour. But, yeah, I, I think that's... We've got to start holding everybody accountable, and, and it's got to go beyond partisan divide. It, whether it's Roy Moore or Al Franken or whatever, it, it shouldn't matter. 
right? And, and again, I, I, I don't believe in the stuff where we're just going to believe all the accusers either. I, I don't believe in that. You've got to treat each situation individually. You've got to look at the credibility of the people making the accusations, the credibility of the accusations. That's what we've got to do. And really, victims got to speak up contemporaneous to when it happens because that's the moment at which it's easiest to determine the veracity of the claims, which is something our next emailer talks about. David emails Mr. Port. The one thing I have a hard time with in all of this is the timeline. With the judge, it's 40 years later. And this was so traumatic. Why wait this long? To me, it's just one party trying to damage the other. Like when that woman came out against Herman Cain, then after he dropped out of the race, she vanished off the face of the earth. And how come it's always you're guilty until proven innocent? Well, I, I think part of the problem is, part of the problem, like, like why this waits 40 years? 40 years ago in America, I don't think it was so easy for these women to come out. For, if, if, you're a, if you're a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl in Alabama and you come out and say something like this, as ugly as it is, as disgusting as it is, there's probably consequences for you coming out and accusing somebody like Roy Moore, who even at that time was a power, powerful local figure. He was, what was he? He was a prosecutor, I think. He was in a position of some power. The reason why I think a lot of this come, hasn't come out to later is, is society has changed. You know, it, there's a silver lining in this. It's that the fact that, that, that all of this is coming out now may be an indication that society has changed, may be an indication that we're now willing to countenance some of this. We're now willing to, to deal with some of this, to have it out in the open. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a positive development. But you can't say, well, because it took so long for it to come out. I, I understand why... I think that's a worthy thing to consider. I think it's okay to consider why now? Why wait all this time? Why now? I think I think it's okay to consider that. I don't think that that necessarily undermines the case against Roy Moore or anybody else. Or for that matter, the woman who, uh, you know, Leanne Tweeden, that happened to her in 2006. She didn't speak out about it until 12 years later. Why not? Well, she didn't feel comfortable about it for one reason or the other. But I think her claims are credible, and obviously – you know, that sort of behavior from Senator Franken has been substantiated by other women who came up and said they groped him, or, or they he groped them, excuse me. So, I, I don't know. You, you can't, I, I think the problem we have with a lot of this, and what enables a lot of this to continue, is that claims come out against some figure who is popular for one reason or another, because, I don't know, they're a celebrity, or they're an athlete, or they're a politician, and people don't. People want to question the claims simply because they don't want them to be true. You question the claims because you don't want them to be true. And that's a difficult position to be in. I mean, I, I get it. I, I am not happy about the fact that if Roy Moore loses in Alabama, we're going to get another Democrat in the United States Senate. That doesn't make me all that happy. That's going to cause headaches for tax reform and everything else. But I am not willing to just look the other way on what Roy Moore did. I don't think Democrats should be willing to look the other way on what Al Franken did or John Conyers. There's some stuff, I mean, it's, it's beyond politics. I wish the Republicans of Alabama had picked a better candidate than Roy Moore. Even before the sexual allegation, I think he was a terrible candidate. They should have picked somebody better. They didn't. This is who we're stuck with. Whose fault is that? I mean, at the end of the day, conservatism is supposed to be about individual responsibility. 
right? You are you are responsible for your own actions. You are responsible for your own decisions. That's the great thing about freedom. It cuts both ways. Not only can you make your own decisions, but you also have to be responsible for your decisions. Well, Roy Moore has made some decisions in his life. Now, he denies them. Uh, frankly, I find the accusations against him, which have been thoroughly reported by the Washington Post, to be a lot more credible than his denials, which frankly have been contradictory and and I motivated you know, pretty transparently by politics. So I don't know. If, if you want to believe Roy Moore, that's fine, but... I don't think he's very believable. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Report 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. So this group, uh, it's based out of Washington. I don't know if that's the state of Washington or Washington, D.C. Uh, this is from Inform.com. It's, it's the Phys- uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Uh, so they've published advertisements on 31 Fargo City buses to protest the practice uh, and raise awareness of the issue and the issue of course is using pigs uh as part of a training program uh, it's done in conjunction with uh ndsu and sanford um it is the advanced trauma life support uh, training it's for physicians uh it basically they they use uh they use pigs they use real pigs uh and they i guess they do like surgery on them and and they with the esophagus i i don't know I, i'm not a doctor i'm not a researcher i don't know anything about this stuff i i guess i i just don't understand what the big deal is about using pigs like i i, I don't get it according to the article they're in compliance with the law uh if they weren't in compliance with the law i figure like i feel, I feel like we would have heard about that now uh this physicians committee has been complaining about this for years now uh, back in two, they've been trying since 2008, according to the article. In 2011, they tried to get the Fargo City attorney to halt the use of live a- live animals in the training program, uh, saying that it violated North Dakota's animal cruelty laws. Uh, last year, they erected billboards protesting the practice. Back in April, they staged protests on the NDSU campus. I, I guess my question for the audience is: Do you care about this? I mean, does it bother you that they're using live pigs? To train physicians at, at NDSU, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Um, you know, some of the, some of the I, I guess a lot of programs that, that, that do this sort of training, including the military, they do like some sort of simulation. Uh, the folks at NDSU at Sanford are, are using pigs because they feel like that's the best way to do the training. Um. I'm inclined to think that that if the folks at NDSU at Sanford think pigs are the best way to go, so be it. I I, I don't I'm I'm not expert enough to to debate them one way or the other. I don't really know. Again, I'm not a physician. I have no expertise in this area. But if they say they need pigs, fine. I mean, does anybody really think we're saving pigs' lives by by stopping their use of this program? I mean, what what do you think happens to the pigs if they're not going to NDSU and getting slaughtered to be used in this training? They're probably being turned in, being turned into delicious bacon and sausage. That's what's happening. I mean, who, who, who do they think they're they're? What do they think they're accomplishing? 
I, I don't get it. I don't understand the money who the people give money to groups like this. I, I, I don't even understand what it is. And it'd be one thing if, if, if there was some evidence that the folks at NDSU were, were being like wantonly cruel to these animals. But I don't think they're being any more cruel to these animals than ranchers are to pigs who get slaughtered for bacon and sausage for us to eat. I mean, they're just animals. And I don't think we need to be needlessly cruel to them, but I also don't have a problem with killing animals for the sake of human need, whether it's food or whether it's it's training or whether it's, you know, research uh, to get some sort of product out of them like leather. I, I don't. I don't really have a problem with this. I, I, I don't I don't understand this. I, I don't understand who is giving groups like this money to spend thousands of dollars on billboards and ad campaigns to basically harass what is I think ultimately a life saving program at NDSU, right? Because the the better trained our physicians are, the more likely they are to be able to treat human beings. They have a website too, North Dakota Deserves Better.org. They make it out sound horrible. I, I just, a lot of times the animal cruelty thing, it just it just blows my mind because it's like we're all upset because we're killing animals for this purpose, but we kill animals for, for breakfast, and that's that's okay. I, I If it's okay to kill a pig for bacon, then I think it's okay to kill a pig to train a doctor. Just say it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Don, you're up. Yeah, well, McNeely had that doctor who was one of the guys against the pigs there, but I had a, you know, a thing that my wife told me, you know, why can't men get mad cow disease? Well, because we're all pigs, and, you know, that maybe that's why they use the pigs. I don't know. <laughs> you just call to sneak that joke in, Don? Well, yeah, but, but the doctor did have a good point. He said, uh, you know, they have medical they have medical. Um, he said they're not dummies. They're they're medical. Some sort of a simulation. that simulators. Yeah, that more. You know, more follow a human body. Like a pig's got leather for skin, and if a surgeon, if they're going to do that, cut a human with like they do a pig. You'd, yeah, all right through the human. I mean, all right. You know. I, I mean, I, I I understand that that's that guy's opinion, and that's the argument he makes. In the article as well, you know, uh, he said it's this uh, Pippin is his name. Um, I'm trying to find his full name here in the article. But I had to anyway, get any, anyway, anyway so. yeah, and anyway, what he's saying, what he says is that you know the military uses simulators. He doesn't understand if the military thing is good enough. Why NDSU? I'm sure that if we talk to the folks at NDSU and or Sanford, they could probably articulate reasons why they think pigs are better. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, it's not a real high bar to get over. I mean, if they say, well, you know, there's reasons why we use pigs and not the simulators. Okay. I mean, we're already killing pigs for bacon, so what's the big deal? All right. I yeah. still had just to get the joke in. All, All right. right well, thanks. yeah, I'm trying to have a serious discussion. Don just wants to goof around. Come on. <laughs> I like goofing one, around. 701-293-9000. Yeah, we got to work now to teal. Calm down. 701-293-9000. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com.
I mean, to me, it's just not a real high bar. You know, you could talk to your blue in the face. Oh, there's simulators. There's alternatives. There's other ways of doing it. If the folks at NDSU say pigs are best, okay, fine. Use pigs. I don't care. I don't see what the big deal is. I don't have a problem killing animals for human purposes. Now, I don't want to be cruel to the animals along the way. I don't think we need to be cruel to them up to the point where we kill them for whatever purpose we're killing them for. You know, so, you know, we, we got to take good care of them and we've got to treat them well during that time. But if we need to kill an animal for some legitimate human purpose, whether it's training or research or getting some product out of them like meat or food or leather or whatever it is, I'm fine with that. I, I don't understand why this is such a departure. I, I And I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're from a farm state. We see where the food comes from. I really think that's what it is. I, I think a lot of this stuff gets started in places where people just don't see where the food comes from. They're so far removed from the realities of where leather comes from or where their food comes from or whatever. They just get completely disconnected from this. I think that's what happens. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Rob Report, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We're talking about this thing, the uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine upset that NDSU is using pigs to uh, train physicians in, uh, let's see, what is it called? Advanced Trauma Life Support. Seems pretty important to me. Uh, they're upset because NDSU and Sanford are using pigs in the training program. Max says, imagine you can get quite a few pigs for the price of a simula- simulator. That's probably one large reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's cost. Although you would think you would just have to buy the simulator once, whereas you buy the pigs lots of times, but I, I don't know. I mean, wh- whatever reason. I-, I can't imagine the folks at NDSU and Sanford are sitting in some back room, some smoky back room, twirling their mustaches saying boy let's really stick it to the pig population right i i mean i mean i i just don't see i i just don't see that that's the case if, if they're using pigs there's got to be a good reason for it and uh you know i mean they're they're reticent to speak out i probably because they don't want to give this group that has been harassing them um anymore this this is from the forum article sanford in a statement defended the use of live pigs in the course saying quote our advanced trauma life support class is lawfully conducted and adheres to all the requirements of the american college of surgeons which does provide for the use of live animals um they did not sanford did not respond to repeated questions for comment on why it prefers to use live animals for its training instead of simulators um, I, I don't know. I feel like they should just come out and explain that. Uh, the, the North Coast State University said uh, NDSU's Animal Care and Use Committee continuously monitors the activities associated with the ATLS lab as part of our commitment to compliance with federal guidelines. This includes the considerations of alternatives to animal use. These practices fall fall well within all federal guidelines. Yeah, so I, I don't know. 
I mean, to me, it doesn't even have to be really good much of a position. I mean, you just have a position to say, listen, we think pigs are better than simulators. We think the doctors learn better on pigs as opposed to simulators. Okay. In a nation where we kill pigs to get bacon, I don't see a problem with that. You feel like doctors are going to be trained better using pigs than simulators? Okay. Good enough for me. Let's do it. What do you think, Natil? Are you a vegan, Natil? I'm not. I'm not even a vegetarian. I very right. much enjoy eating meat. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about this? I think that the organization has some good points in that there may be a better way to train medical staff in this particular area with these um, with these simulators. Yeah. But the way that they're going about it is is hard for me to stomach. Because the the way that they're doing it right now obviously isn't wrong. Sanford and NDSU train very, very good and very well-educated and very highly trained people to save the lives of other people who desperately need that that training. Yeah. And if there was a better way to go about it, you know, coming in and saying, you know, hey, this the way that you're doing it right now is less accurate because of X, Y, and Z. This way is more accurate because of A, B, and C. And we'd like to help you move into that particular type of training. I'd be completely on board. But when you come yeah. in and you're attacking them, and- but even then, I mean, even even if this group thinks, thinks simulators are better, so what? Obviously, the folks at NDSU and Sanford are aware that simulators are avail- available. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue going all the way back to like 2008. You know, well, this and, has been an maybe, ongoing maybe issue for a, a cost, decade. Maybe it's a cost thing. Maybe the yeah. maybe the simulators are better. But okay. but for the cost of the initial startup, it's not worth it for Sanford and NDSU right now. Okay. And, if, that's, and that, to me, that's a good enough reason to keep using pigs. Then fine. Well, okay. yeah, but then then if the then if this group comes in and says, "Hey, we can help with that initial cost because we see this is the better way to go about this," then I guess then I, I guess know. I'd be way more on board. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I just think I just think the folks at NDSU that are doing this. Uh, and and Sanford, they're partners in the program. Uh, you know, if if there was a better way to do it, I think they would do it. And they may just, for whatever reason, feel the way they're doing things is the best way to do it. Um, as, as opposed, you know, in, in the absence of of evidence, you know, truly compelling evidence to the contrary. Okay, fine. I, I mean, to me, it's just not that big of a hurdle to get over. I don't have a problem killing animals for for human purposes. You know, I, and again, I don't want to do it cruelly. I don't want to do it wantonly. But training doctors seems like a pretty good reason to do it. So, big deal. Big deal. Uh, speaking about the Roy Moore thing, there's this big thing going out. Um, project Veritas, which is the uh, the project of James O'Keefe, who's been sort of an infamous political figure in, in conservative circles. Boy, did he have it backfire. You know, we're, we had emailers talking about the Roy Moore thing. Uh, this James O'Keefe attempt, he sent somebody in uh, pretending to be a victim of Roy Moore's and pretending that he had had sex with her when she was 15 and got her pregnant. She had an abortion. They're, they're feeding the Washington Post this information. I'm sure trying to get the Post to, to report a false story about it. And the premise being that the Washington Post has been so, uh, you know, completely uh, unfair to Roy Moore that they'll just run with a, a story that was completely made up. And it backfired colossally because Washington Post detected that there were problems in the story. They, they couldn't substantiate it to their satisfaction. And not only that, 
they were able to figure out that that the person was uh, telling them the story on false pretenses. So what this O'Keefe ended up doing, while attempted to throw throw shade on the Washington Post reporting about Roy Moore, actually turned around and confirmed that the Washington Post has been pretty diligent in their reporting about Roy Moore. I mean, if anything, if anything, what O'Keefe has done with this is make the Washington Post look responsible, right? It, it lends more credibility to their original reporting on Roy Moore because it, it shoots down this idea that they're just running with whatever accusation against Roy Moore, completely unsourced and completely unverified. That's not true. A- anybody who read, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, issuing a blanket uh, defense of the Washington Post. They've done other reporting that I thought has been pretty shoddy and pretty unfair. But in this instance, their reporting on Roy Moore has been pretty bulletproof. And I think that's the problem that conservatives have. Yes, media bias is real. Yes, journalists are often unfair to conservatives or Republicans. But that doesn't mean they always are. And that doesn't mean that every story that you don't like as a Republican or a conservative is false because it comes from the quote-unquote liberal media. Sometimes they do, in fact, get stories right. They get it right a lot of the time. And they've got it right on Roy Moore, I think. I think they got them nailed down. I think you look at their reporting, it is well-sourced, it is thorough, it is deep. And meanwhile, Roy Moore's rebuttals have just been completely nuts. So I, I don't know. This Eric O'Keefe, he's done some good work in the past. Originally it was with that uh, that group Acorn where he caught him on camera, you know, supposedly um, – you know, encouraging people to do illegal things. More recently, he caught Democratic operators, you know, basically admitting to disrupting and, and even fomenting violence and criminal activity at Trump rallies. So, I mean, he's done some good work, but in this instance, boy, did this backfire. And this is what worries me, too, is, is how much credibility Republicans and conservatives are losing by trying to defend Roy Moore. I, I, I mean, Republicans can't win elections without independence and i'll tell you what's going to alienate independence is the idea that republicans are going to go out and want to put somebody who thinks it's okay to have a sex with a 14 year old as a 30 year old man in the united states senate or to be so willing to shut your mind off to credible reporting about that that's not going to help the republicans at all jay thomas show coming up next remember you can catch me here 12 to 2 p.m monday through friday or 24 hours a day seven days a week at say anything blog Com. Congressman Kevin Kramer joins me tomorrow. Tune in. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Don't let me hear you say lights taking you nowhere.